Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Bears, Vikings, week number six. And I think this might be the first time in a long time that Bear fans are actually looking forward to Sunday, or at least probably the first time since maybe week one, maybe week two. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely not week three and, you know, ah, man, week four, man, maybe definitely not, uh, the commanders, uh, game. So, uh, as far as being certain about being excited about Sunday, I would say week one is probably where most bear fans were excited week two. We we're back to like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing going into the game. Nobody was looking forward to week three. Week four was like, hey, maybe we might be able to do something against a defense that allowed 70 points last week. And then last week against the commanders is like, yeah, they're probably going to eat us alive seeing as they did uh, last year. So, But after beating the commanders and looking like a competent football team, not just a good offense, but a good uh, or at least a competent defense uh, against the commanders, we're hoping to be the, the team that kicks the Vikings while they're down They'll be without Justin Jefferson uh, on Sunday. They've got some injuries in some other uh, places. Kirk Cousins is is playing as well, playing well, but has also turned the ball over uh, a few times and and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk to our friend uh, uh, Chris Gates from the SB Nation's Daily Norseman. He's always been our Vikings guy. He'll be joining us here uh, in just a few moments. But uh, before we get to that, we got news and notes. So let's get this thing started. This is the week six preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud and I don't know. Week number six uh, of the NFL season. We're going to be done with a third of the season when this weekend is over. And here I was, you know, feel like I was just complaining that the season won't start. And here we are a third of the way done with it already. It just, uh, yeah, it just, it just goes by way too fast. Kind of like life in its own way as well. As I try to get deep with you guys on a Thursday night or a Friday morning or whenever you're listening to this, but, uh, we'll dive right into, uh, news and notes and start with the injury report. And we got to start here because, uh, half the football team is on this list or so it would seem. Uh, the good news is we're getting some guys back. Uh, that's part of our, our news and notes. Kyler Gordon and uh, Doug Kramer, our backup center, or one of them anyway, designated for return from injury reserve. Kramer with a thumb injury. He has been full participation all week so far on Wednesday and Thursday. Kyler Gordon with his hand injury has been limited. I think the Bears have until... I think sometime on Saturday to designate them or actually maybe even up to like 10 a.m. on Sunday. Cause I remember they waited until the very last minute to 
uh, to elevate um, Tevin Jenkins from you know injured reserve to the active roster on Thursday night uh, last week. So we'll uh, we'll see. You know, maybe we won't hear until Sunday morning. We'll get the good news. Kyla Gordon is back. Uh, Doug, Cra- Doug Kramer is going to be active, which will add some to our offensive line uh, depth. Um, uh, Khalil Herbert has, as, as expected, he's supposed to miss uh, anywhere from two to three weeks, I think conservatively, uh, with that high ankle sprain. Hasn't practiced yet this week. Neither has our special teams guy, Travis Homer. Um, this would have been a great opportunity for him to get some carries, but he hurt his hamstring against the uh, commanders uh, the other night. Eddie Jackson has been limited with the foot injury, so maybe he could uh, be on the way back. Jalen Johnson was limited yesterday, but full go today on Thursday with the hamstrings, so he seems good to go. Uh, in addition to the injury reports, Cole Komet, nursing a hamstring injury this week, has been limited so far. Hopefully that doesn't uh, get any worse. Uh, Lucas Patrick and Roshan Johnson both left the game on Thursday with concussions. Neither has practiced yet. Uh, this week, uh, Terrell Smith, who was fantastic coming off the bench uh, last week, was limited with an ankle injury on Wednesday, but was full go uh, today. And Equinemia St. Brown, who left the commander's game with a hamstring injury, has yet to practice this week. So that's what, 3, 6, 9, 12, 12, 13 names. And actually, you can take one because I'm, I'm actually counting Mercedes Lewis among them. So it's anywhere, it's 11 or 12 names not counting Mercedes Lewis because of course for the sixth week on a row in a row he's on the Wednesday injury or Thursday injury report because he had a veterans day of rest so take that uh for what you will so hopefully we're getting some guys back like Kyler Gordon which would be a nice boost to the uh secondary especially with uh you know the Vikings aren't just Justin Jefferson uh in the passing game we'll talk about that quite a bit here with Chris here in a few moments, but, um, you know, they have KJ Osborne and that rookie first round of Mario Addison, TJ Hawkinson is their tight end. And, you know, he did well against us when he was in, uh, Detroit. So, uh, we know what kind of a threat, uh, he can be, uh, as well. So we still need our secondary to be up to snuff. We still need them to be good. They don't get the week off just because Justin Jefferson, uh, isn't around. Uh, in other news, uh, the Bears signed, uh, in other roster news, signed Colin Johnson, a wide receiver uh, from the Giants practice squad. He's, he's on our pra- or we didn't get him from the practice squad, but he signed him from the, onto our practice squad. A big guy, too, 6'6", like 220 pounds, wide receiver. And um, we signed Nathan Peterman back to the practice squad, though, not to the 53-man roster. I don't know what... Uh, what Peterman has on Ryan Poles that we keep bringing him back instead of bringing someone else in. But uh, Peterman's back on the practice squad, and we let go of kicker John Parker Romo and defensive lineman Deslin Deslin Alexander uh, to make room for those to be signed to the practice squad. And then finally, uh, the Bears signed Darrington Evans. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he was on the team last year. Signed him to the 53-man roster to help bolster the running back room while Roshan... Uh, is in uh, concussion protocol, and while Kahlua Herbert uh, is on the mend uh, with the uh, ankle injury. So uh, that's all that we have for roster news and other news uh, for the Bears. Uh, Matt Eberflus uh, was talking to the press earlier this week, 
The Bears have not yet chosen a defensive uh, analyst or consultant, whatever term terminology they're using, um, thinking that maybe uh, we'd be able to use his uh, his long friendship with Rod Marinelli to pull him out of retirement. And Matt Eberflus said that uh, Coach Marinelli is comfortably retired, so no uh, no chance of, of bringing Rod to create the magic that. Uh, that he had as our defensive coordinator for those last few lovey uh, years. Uh, and like, I, th- I believe from like 2010 to 2012, he was our defensive coordinator, if not longer. Um, but uh, said that he's comfortable in retirement. He says they do talk weekly. So maybe they obviously talk football uh, at that point. But as far as like being a presence in the building every day, Rod Marinelli's happy at home for now. And God bless him. Um, DJ Moore, as you guys probably heard on the fourth phase uh, this morning, uh, DJ Moore named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week for Week 5. Eight catches, 230 uh, in yardage, three touchdowns in the Bears' 40-20 to win uh, over the Commanders. Uh, only the second time a, a, a Bears wide receiver has won the reward, on, won the award. And uh, the other time was Marcus Robinson back in 1999. And I was surprised to hear that because in 2013, Alshon Jeffrey had back-to-back 200-yard receiving games, one of which he set the franchise mark for yardage uh, in that game, somewhere in like the 240s or 250s uh, or something like that in that game against the Saints. And then the following week against the Vikings, he caught a couple of touchdown passes and another 200-plus yards in receiving. But when I was looking at the AFC and NFC um, winners of the uh, offensive, defensive, and special team awards, they all had one thing in common. They all won on Sunday. So I'm guessing that because the Bears lost both those games that Alshon got 200-plus yards in there, that he was never up for the award uh, in those. Because I don't know how you go for like 250 uh, and you know, and like a touchdown, maybe two or something in that Saints game, and then another 220 or whatever, and another couple touchdowns against the Vikings and don't win the award. But uh, winning definitely helps. So the that's uh, how they reward the winners. So, And then finally, Chase Claypool uh, was traded. I'm sure I talked about that on Friday um, or Saturday when I did the review uh, episode. We traded him and a seventh-round pick in 2025 to the Dolphins for a 2020, 2025 sixth-rounder. So Poles got the sixth-rounder that he was looking for, but we don't get to use it until 2025. And um, when he spoke with the press the, for the first time as a Dolphin, uh, noted that his frustration stemmed a lot from the losing streak. Because if you guys remember, we won our last game before Chase Claypool joined the team. So he literally never won a football game as a Chicago Bear. Not one. Did not win a single game. And, uh, you know, an entire, you know, and the one game that we did win when he was still on the roster, he was basically out the door anyway. Like we won our last game where he was officially a Bear but he wasn't on the field. He didn't contribute to it. So as in his time as a Chicago Bear in the, what, 12, 13 games that he played in a Bear uniform, didn't win a single game. And I can understand how that could be frustrating. But, uh, you know, they're anywhere from, you know, you got 52 other guys on the roster, another 16 or so on the practice uh, the practice squad, uh, a slew of coaches and, and support staff and, all that kind of stuff, and, uh, you know, you're the one that had to go. So, yeah. 
but it's basically his his frustration contributed to what uh, what misgivings he had and, and the trouble that he had with the wearing out his welcome uh, in Chicago, and it's a shame because he is a talented guy. He's a big receiver, uh, great catch radius. That outstanding rookie year he had in Pittsburgh showed a lot of promise. I was real excited when the Bears got him even though we gave up our second-round pick for it, which is something that Poles, I think, gets a lot of flack for because everybody says we traded the number 32 pick to the Steelers for Claypool, which in the end is true. But when we traded that pick, we were 3-4, and 3-5. and five. It wasn't the number one pick in the second round. It wasn't. It was maybe a top, fifth, top 10, top 15 pick in the sixth round when we traded that uh, to the, uh, you know, when we traded that to the Steelers, it became the number one overall pick in the second round thanks to our continued losing throughout the rest of the season. I don't think Ryan Poles saw it going that way. Like if he'd have known that's what he was actually giving up, you're giving up the first pick in the second round, which is basically a late first round pick for Chase Claypool. I don't think he pulls the trigger on that trade, no matter how badly he wanted Claypool in the building or to add something around Justin to help him out for the rest of the uh, season. But, um, yeah, it was it was a maybe a top 10, more than like probably somewhere in the 12 to 15 range, I think, uh, for what pick it was going to be in the – I'm sure it was probably closer to top 10 at the time, but not number one in the second round, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it sucks, but what are you going to do? We ended up getting uh, two other picks in that second round, so we had one to spare. And he wanted to make the, he wanted to make the trade and uh, had to give up our pick to do that, which was a savvy, savvy job done by, I believe, Omar Khan, who's the GM for the uh, Steelers. So anyway, that's all I got. Uh, Claypool says it was frustration, and they may try him at tight end. In Miami, you know, being as big as he is, you throw a few pounds of muscle on him. Maybe he could be a tight end, but don't look for him to block at him. He friggin' sucks at it. So hopefully he'll be like, a, well, Travis Kelsey can actually block, but more of a receiving tight end like a Travis Kelsey as opposed to a, uh, you know, a, a straight up blocker like a Mercedes Lewis or what he has become uh, in this uh, portion of his career. So anyway, that's going to do it for news and notes. We're going to go ahead and bring in our guest, Chris Gates, to preview Bears-Vikings week number six. This Sunday, our beloved Chicago Bears welcome the Vikings back to Soldier Field and, uh, hoping to snap a two-game Viking winning streak in Soldier Field and to put an end to that nonsense, or is it longer than that? Two, three years. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Is it, is it 2020, 2021? When's the last time we beat you guys in Chicago? Um, that's a really good question. I'm going to see if I can dig into a pro football reference here quick while we're talking and, uh, and look that up here. But I know I think we've gotten at least the last two in, and in and I, I think it may it be 2019. Be it might because if I remember, that 2020 game was a Monday night game, and we didn't win that one. No, so, hold on, let me uh, 
me get him here. Uh, come on, open up. For and me. you guys beat right, us then. in the finale when we went to Bizarro World and finished the season in Chicago instead of Minnesota. Yeah, so so we won at Chicago in 2023. Uh, we won at. Chi- Oh, in, in the 2022 season, the right. game actually took place in 2023. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we won at Chicago last year. We won at Chicago the year before. We won at Chicago in 2020. Yeah, the last time the Vikings lost at Soldier Field was uh, 2019, that, uh, that beautiful 16-6 to game where the Vikings offense did nothing for like 55 minutes. Right. Or however right. long that was. Yeah. yeah that was I, the last one. Right. I remember that game. That's the one where Trubisky got hurt like third play of the game and chased Chase Daniel came off the bench and uh, and won it yep. for us uh, that year. But um, this yeah, just yeah, kind of adds. The Vikings scored a yeah. The Vikings scored a touchdown with uh, two fifty eight left in the game. Nice. Otherwise, they would have gotten shut out. Right. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, but this just adds to the continuing conversation that you and I have every year, especially when the game in Chicago comes up. Is just all the bizarre stuff that actually happens between the Bears and the Vikings, and here we have two one-in-four teams that are, oddly enough, headed in very different directions right now, uh, with the Bears actually trending up, you know, because we discovered our offense against Denver, and then we kind of set it free uh, against Washington on Thursday night uh, last week when I expected it to dip right back down uh, to where it was. I, I, I thought we were going to get manhandled by that Washington uh, defensive line, and instead it was us that dominated in the trenches and got our offense going. DJ Moore went into beast mode for 230 yards and three touchdowns uh, in that one. Justin Fields has thrown eight touchdown passes in the last two weeks uh, and everything, whereas the the Vikings got their first win. Uh, they were in the other winless bowl in week four, uh, beating, the, uh, yeah. beating the Panthers, but then uh, losing this past Sunday to the uh, – to the Chiefs and um, any sour grapes about the non-calls at the end of the game? I've heard a lot about that this week. No, I mean it, it shouldn't have come down to that. Quite frankly, I mean there were there were opportunities for the Vikings to to do some damage. I mean you can't fumble on the very first play from scrimmage and turn the ball over and give up a touchdown. And it just those are the sorts of things the Vikings have been doing all season so far, which is why they're currently one and four. And, uh, you know, I, I hate blaming the officials for stuff unless it's something really, really ridiculously egregious. I mean, I know there's bad calls uh, in every NFL game, but they kind of tend to even themselves out. So, you know, the, the Vikings shouldn't have been in a position where, you know, one play was going to make or break that entire game or anything like that. And honestly, I don't think it did, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, that's the kind of thing that happens in the NFL, and you know, it's just uh, it's just kind of the way the season has gone for this team so far. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a whole season of Bears Vikings games in Chicago uh, this year <laughs> for you. I mean, I, I watched a good portion of that Charger game because it was the early game before we got slaughtered by Kansas City uh, in Week Three. So I watched a good chunk of that, especially in the final quarters where Brandon Staley practically gift wrapped the game uh, for you guys. But then we get to the, we we're, whatever Kirk Cousins thought he was doing for those 20 something seconds where the t- clock was just ticking away. And then he throws the tip drill interception in the end zone uh, to end it and, you know, give the chargers uh, the win. Uh, even in beating the Panthers, uh, Cousins starts off the game with a 99 yard pick six. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you move the offense, you get all the way into your end zone, you're knocking on the door, and then, boom, it's going 99 yards back the uh, back the other way. Then, like you said, you started off with a turnover uh, yesterday, and you don't really get away with that too much when you're playing the Chiefs. So no. uh, they, they tend to make you pay for those kind of uh, mistakes. And all five of your games have been one score affairs and as opposed to going 11 and 0 last year you're one in four in those uh those one score games in uh 2023 yeah and you know like uh, like you say you talked about the uh, the carolina game with the uh, the pick six on the first drive i mean the, the vikings five opening drives this year they had uh they had two punts uh they punted against the uh buccaneers and they punted on the first drive against the eagles and the uh, they had a f- lost fumble on the first drive against the Chargers, and the the pick six against the Panthers, and then the lost fumble against Kansas City. And you know they they lead the league in turnovers. I'm almost positive they have 12 through uh, the first five games so far. And you know most of them have come in the first half, so they get themselves in a hole early, and they have to try to fight their way back out of things. And you know last year. When they needed guys to make plays, they had people step up, whether it was offensively or defensively. And this year, it just hasn't happened that way. And you know, they're they're not getting the same sort of clutch uh, performances that they got last year. When, like you said, they went eleven and zero in those one score games. And now, yeah, every every game this season so far has been decided by one score. And four out of five times, the Vikings have been on the wrong end of it. So. I, I think we were all kind of expecting a little bit of a, a course correction right. after last year, but I don't know how many folks kind of envisioned it going uh, quite to this extreme. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say, was that I, I thought something like that, like that one score statistic from 2022, would balance itself out, but I didn't think it would absolutely tip the scale in the opposite direction, going from one extreme uh, to the other. You know, for you to come out ahead in, in, in all of those games, which is that's million to one type uh, type stuff right there, yeah. you know, but to be, you know, to have five one score games to start off the year and to come up short in four of them, especially in the fashion that you guys have, has to be spectacular in the odds in the other direction. I'm sure it probably is. I mean, and, and like you mentioned, the the conversation at the end of the at the end the Chargers game should have been centered around what an absolute dope Brandon Staley is yeah. because I mean the the dude went for it on fourth and one from his own 24 yard line I mean that you know that, that was just dumb but you know the Vikings uh, I don't know what they were doing for that last uh, possession either but they couldn't take advantage of it and you know they had their opportunities at the end against Kansas City to uh to at least hopefully tie or maybe go, go for the win and they couldn't take advantage of that either and you know it, like I said, it goes back to uh, guys making plays when plays need to be made. And last year it was happening for the Vikings, and this year it just hasn't so far. And that's uh, that's why these things have kind of balanced themselves out a little bit, I guess. Is any of it due to the guys that aren't around uh, anymore? You know, you, you let uh, Dalvin Cook go, and that was kind of a drama that played out to the very end there. Will they cut him? Will they trade him? You know, will they... Uh, release him, you know, all that kind of stuff. Will it be a June 1 cut, you know, that kind of thing? And and finally he was let go. He ends up signing a deal with the Jets where I haven't heard from him since, so I, I don't think it's going well uh, with the Jets uh, thus far. No. But, you know, is it because, you know, it's like I know Madison's a good running back for you guys, but, you know, is he the – does he, is there something that's missing that you would have gotten from Dalvin Cook or anybody else that isn't on the team this year? 
I don't think so, to be honest. I think, I mean, judging from his performance with the Jets so far, I think moving on from uh, from Dalvin Cook was the right move. I mean, through five games for the Jets so far, he uh, he hasn't cracked a hundred rushing yards total. Wow. Uh, he's averaging about uh, he's averaging two point seven yards a carry. Uh, hasn't found the end zone yet, I don't think. So it, it looks like the Vikings got away from Cook at just the right time. I mean, the, the Jets are paying him about $7 million to uh, to not be very good. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I think they dodged that bullet. I mean, you can look at guys like Adam Thielen. I mean, Thielen's been solid. Right. But, you know, for what the what the Vikings were going to be on the hook to pay him uh, this past season, he, he I don't think he was worth that. Uh Eric Kendricks, I haven't heard much from him. He was injured and didn't play uh, against the Vikings when they got together. Um, I think Dalvin Tomlinson is doing a solid job in Cleveland. That's one of the few guys that I would have uh, still liked to have had around at this point. But, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of the guys the Vikings let go uh, have made enough of an impact anywhere else to uh, to lead anyone to believe that they would be making a huge impact uh, for the Vikings if they were still here. So, yeah, I don't think that has a... That has a lot to do with it. So what's the temperature like in, in Viking land these days? Because I'd imagine it's probably not far from where we were going into the commander game last Thursday. I mean, I don't think you're on the brink of firing Kevin O'Connell or anything uh, like that. But as far as like, oh, well, if, if we keep losing, then, you know, we won't have to worry about signing Kirk Cousins because we'll have Caleb Williams or Drake May or whatever to, uh, to take mm-hmm. over for him. Uh, next year is 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 anybody talking tank for 24 or anything like that or is it too soon or has it been that bad that that's where we're at right now this this is vikings fans the tanking stock the tanking talk started after week two (laughs) for about half the uh, the fan base because you know i i don't understand the people have watched over the years and yeah if you if you get a bad if you if your draft position is poor enough uh, there's a chance you get a good quarterback or whatever, but we know none of that's guaranteed. I mean, right. you know, you, you've seen guys like Tim Couch uh, taken number one overall. Tim Couch didn't do anything. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't really do much. You know, Jamarcus Russell did absolutely nothing. Nothing. So just because you know you're you're picking high in the draft doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get your quarterback for the next. 10, 12, 15, however many years. I mean, right. you can get a quarterback anywhere in the first round if you do it right. But, uh, you know, there are people that are so obsessed with the idea of tanking and trying to lose games. And, you know, I just don't understand why anyone thinks you're going to get a bunch of dudes who are uh, who have been trained to compete their entire lives and have competed at the highest level for their entire lives to uh, suddenly believe that, Losing football games is somehow in their best interest. Right, it's just just not going to work. It's not going to happen. But you know, you're going to get the people calling for the fire sale and the trade everybody and blah blah blah. And you know, I I just don't see it. I mean, not going to tank. I mean, they they might not have to tank. I mean, they just haven't been very good so yeah. far. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see how the rest of this year plays out. But uh, I think I've said this before. Uh, when we've spoken, I think we talked about it last season or during the off season or something like that, that I'm pretty sure this is the last season of the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota. And regardless of where they end up picking in the first round, I think they're bringing a quarterback to Minnesota early so that uh, Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa can have their guy and, uh, and sink or swim with whatever quarterback they go with. Yeah. 
Do you think Justin Jefferson follows him on his way out? Do you think you can, you know, or will money talk and you guys can bring him back by making him the highest paid receiver in the league? Oh, I, I have no doubt that uh, I don't think Jefferson's going anywhere. I mean, I think they're going to, I think they're going to keep him in Minnesota. I don't think, uh, I, I think there would be a straight up mutiny uh, among the fan base if sure. they did manage to let him go. I mean, he's, he's quite clearly the face of the franchise at this point. So I, I think that they do everything possible to, uh, to keep Jefferson around. And, you know, Jefferson has said that he likes playing with uh, Kirk cousins and whatnot, but he's got to realize that, you know, Kirk Cousins is 36 years old. The uh, the end is nigh right. uh, for the Kirk Cousins era here in uh, Minnesota. And, you know, I hope I kind of hope they involve him in the process of uh, selecting the next quarterback so that there isn't any uh, heartbreak or issues or anything like that uh, <clears throat> as far as keeping him around. Yeah, you know, I think that would be uh, probably be a good idea, especially if he does mean that much to the organization as as a way of keeping him to involve him and, and who he might be uh, catching passes from uh, again, especially since the Kellen Mond experiment didn't work out and uh, uh, and things like that. So you don't have a you know an heir apparent waiting in the wings uh, for Kirk Cousins to age out of the position uh, or anything like that. You got to go and and find someone uh, to do that for you. But um, no. you know, I've I've never been a fan of tanking. I mean, even when the Bears were losing every single game for the last 10 weeks last year. I wanted to watch them win every Sunday. I want my team to win. It's like it, the silver lining mm-hmm. was, hey, we're, we're, we're still number two in, you know, in the draft, or we're going to get a great player at number two, maybe like a Will Anderson. Or, that was the silver lining to us losing. You know, I didn't want – and I wasn't sitting mm-hmm. there like doing my podcast being like, yep, we're going to go into this and we should lose by 15, and if we don't, we should lose by 30, goddammit, because I want that number two pick in the draft <laughs> next year. And it's like, no, I want the Bears to beat the Bills. I want them to beat the Eagles. I want them to beat whoever's on the schedule. Even the Vikings week 18 in the most meaningless game of all time, I want to see the Bears win that game. But they didn't, and the silver lining was, thanks to Lovey Smith and his last-minute heroics in Indianapolis, the Texans won that game, giving us the number <laughs> one pick. It's like, hey, look at that. There is... You know, the one last present from Lovey on his way out the door uh, in Houston. But mm-hmm. I wanted the Bears to win every single week. To hell with this tanking nonsense. I, I'm, I'm never one for, yay, let's tank. There's, you know, because like you said, it's not a guarantee. And especially with talk of, no. like, when the Bears leading the charge at number one and had number two as well, uh, it was like, no, Caleb Williams will only play for these five teams, and if those five teams aren't within his range, he's going to go back to school and make another five, ten million in NIL deals before he comes out in twenty twenty five. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. But Minnesota was on his list though, so that ought to make you guys happy. On the the five teams well, I mean, that he was sure. talking about, if, you know, if the Vikings are, I mean, if the if the if the Vikings are, you know, bad enough to find themselves in that position or anything, but you know. Like you said, the Super Bowl comes in February, and, you know, I didn't wait and, you know, speculate and whatever for seven months uh, just to go out and hope my team gets hammered every week so that their their draft position can improve because that really doesn't mean a whole lot to me. You know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to the – I mean, the the guys that are going to be free agents next year, they don't care where the Vikings pick in the first round because they right. might not be in Minnesota next year. What uh, what concern is that for them? So, you know, it's just, it, it's, I don't 
get the people who like want to tank or want to see the Vikings lose or whatever because that just doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's kind of sad to yeah, be honest. It's counterproductive in 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 fandom, you know, to root yeah. for your team to lose. It doesn't make any sense uh, to mm-hmm. me. Now, if you're rooting because you're sick of them and you hate them, that's one thing. But if you're rooting for them to lose so you can have a better draft pick in April, I, I don't see the point uh, in doing that, especially yeah. with the way teams make trades and. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. If if your team wants to pick bad enough, they'll do what they need in order to get it. So yeah. that's pretty I mean, much they'll trade. They'll do whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So, but before we go any further down that rabbit hole, uh, let's talk about this game uh, on Sunday <laughs> between our two uh, respective uh, squads. Um, as you and I were talking before we started recording, this is not where either of us thought we'd be at this point. Uh, I didn't think this would be a one in four versus one in four uh, matchup where one team was uh, in a bad spot and the other one was in worse a spot uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I thought that this would maybe, you know, kind of on the optimistic side, maybe like a four and one, three and two versus, you know, three and two, four and one uh, type team, especially with the schedule that each of us had in the first five games. You, you sit there and you look at it and be like, Tampa Bay, yeah, we got that. Uh, week two against Philly, uh, that's probably a loss. Uh, week three, say, uh, the Chargers at home, yep, take the win there. Carolina, no problem. That's three wins. And then Kansas City, that's at home, but it's still Kansas City. So worst case, you're three and two coming into this game. And then same thing with the with the Bears. The only game that I was absolutely certain we would lose was the Kansas City game in those first five weeks. And, you know, so like I said, optimistically four and one, Worst case, maybe three and two, I was thinking. But instead, right out of the gates, we get drubbed by Green Bay and what had to be one of the biggest gut punches to the fan base that we've suffered in a while to watch that game go down that way, uh, you know, to, to just get manhandled by uh, Green Bay and to be embarrassed and for the Jordan Love era to begin that way on Soldier Field uh, turf. Uh, it just was one of those things that it just – you know, like you said, people were out after week two, after you, you guys lost uh, that Thursday nighter to the Eagles, which I don't understand why yep. people would be upset you lost the defending NFC championships on a short week on the road, but that's just me. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just after week one, it's like, all right, Justin Fields is not the guy. Let's go ahead and trade him now, get what we can for him. Let Tyson Bajan, who was the preseason MVP, let him go out there and, and – figure it out for the last, you know, 16 weeks or whatever, and we'll get ready for Caleb Williams in 2024. It's like, all right, everybody, let's just calm down. If anybody who's watched football knows, week one, as Kyle Brand has famously said in his podcast, week one is a liar. So week one doesn't always tell the truth about what you're going to see going forward. But uh, week one seemed to be telling the truth until at least week four when we played the Broncos, and then we started playing offense again. So that was rough. Yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of the same thing for us. I mean, you know, like you said, we you see Tampa Bay on the schedule in Week One, and yeah, they they brought Baker Mayfield in to replace Tom Brady, but you know, you think that uh, they're not a very good football team, and you, you expect to win that game, and then you yeah. kind of just fall apart. And you know, the Eagles lost. I think everyone kind of had that chalked up as a loss, but you know, the way it happened, uh, you know, with the Jefferson fumble at the goal line, and the way uh, things kind of went from there Mm -hmm. uh the chargers 
uh, are basically the AFC version of the Vikings. They're not really capable of playing like a normal football game right. or anything like that. And, yeah. uh, and we saw that at the end of the game here where they should have given it away. And the Vikings just said, no, no, that that's okay. We don't want this. You can take it back. And, you know, they, they went in, they beat Carolina. Carolina might be the worst team in the league. Yeah. So, you know, that's not something to really jump up and down about. And, and, you know, yeah, like you said, you probably expected to lose to Kansas city too, but you know, you had your opportunities and you just didn't cash in. So that's uh that's why you are what you are right now, and that's a that's a one and four football team. Yeah, I mean, have injuries been much of a factor for you guys? I mean, I know you're playing without Justin Jefferson uh, for at least the next four weeks because, as uh, I don't know if it was O'Connell or or or, uh, or uh, your general manager's Quasi. Um, what's the last name? Quasi uh, Adolfo Mensa. Adolfo Mensa. That's it. Um, yeah. I don't know if if it was one of them that said you're going to protect Justin from himself. Uh, and, and, you yeah. know, not allow him to come back before he's ready because he wants to help the team, God bless him, but you're not going to come back too soon and make it worse and then we lose you for longer uh, kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, have injuries been a factor in other, like, key places that contribute to this one and four start? I mean, Garrett Bradbury missed a few games with the, uh, with the back issue. Uh, he had back issues at the end of last season that uh, kept him sidelined for the last – I believe it was five weeks of the regular season. And, you know, older guys know that, you know, once you screw up your back, your back never really actually gets better. It's just kind of varying degrees of worse depending on uh, how things go. So he's going to have back issues for, uh, for the foreseeable future. And it, uh, it's probably going to hamper him a little bit here and there Uh, played without uh, Marcus Davenport for most of the first three weeks. And, uh, you know, when he came back against Carolina, he immediately made an impact. So uh, it would have been nice to have him for the first three weeks, but we really didn't. Uh, other than that, the uh, the injury thing has not really been an issue for us thus far. It's uh, you know, other than the Bradbury thing and the Davenport thing, and now uh, now the Jefferson injury, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the uh, the Vikings work their way around that. But uh, that's uh, that's the situation they find themselves in. He's not going to be back until at least uh, week ten. So uh, hopefully the uh, the offense can manage between now and then. Yeah, and um, what if? Uh, I mean, I know you guys aren't the the vindictive sort like Green Bay is and can <laughs> be, but uh, what what has been your opinion of the Bears up this point? You know, up to this point, watching especially those first three weeks because I mean I. I thought that Kansas City was rock bottom, and that was until we blew a twenty-eight to seven lead uh, against the uh, Broncos, where we looked like an absolute dumpster fire of a franchise that had lost fourteen games in a row uh, up to that point. But um, you know, what was it like watching that happen from the Viking seat? I mean, I, I the Bears are. I'm going to use the word interesting because I mean, you don't know. This is this is Justin Fields' third season. And you still really don't know what you have right. with the guy at this point. And, you know, be- between between the Bears pick and the Bears having Carolina's pick, which, which with the way Carolina's playing is probably going to end up being number one overall again. Right. You have to, you know, you have to weigh whether or not he's the guy or whether they want to turn around and, like you said, draft a Caleb Williams or something like that to, uh, to come over and or come in and take over. But, you know, the, the Bears are kind of, kind of where, with the exception of the quarterback position, I think the Vikings and the Bears are relatively similar. The uh, the Vikings got rid of a bunch of 
uh, older players on the defensive side, and they're relying on a bunch of uh, a bunch of youth over on that side now. And I, I think the defense this year is significantly better than uh, than it was under uh, Ed Donatel last year with uh, Brian Flores being in charge. But uh, you know, just between the uh, the youth and inexperience and whatnot of uh, some of the players on defense, it's going to take a while for them to get it. But once they get it, I think things are going to be pretty solid for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bears are kind of the same way. They got a lot of young guys uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Vikings have young talent on both sides of the ball, and you know, it, I haven't seen as much of the Bears as I'd like. But I think uh, I, I think the Bears, if they figure out what they have in Justin Fields, uh, they're going to be uh, a solid football team here sooner rather than later. Right. But uh, but yeah, I, I can imagine you know. I mean, I didn't get to watch a lot of the uh, the care of the uh, the Broncos game for the Bears because it was on the same time as uh, <laughs> the Panthers game and whatnot. But sure. yeah, we we were keeping track of it on social media. It's like yeah, the Bears are up twenty eight to seven, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, the Bears lost. Wow, how the how the hell did that happen? Right, That's exactly. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So I I think these two teams, with the exception of the quarterback spot, are in pretty similar situations. So we're gonna have to see. Uh, which has their front offices and coaching staffs take from here. Was there ever a come to Jesus moment with the press? Like you referred to talking about how this young team needs time to grow together uh, or anything like that, whether it was, you know, uh, Quasi Adolfo Mensa or Kevin O'Connell telling the press, you know, or kind of like sending a message to the fans. Like, you know, I know you have high expectations. We won 13 <laughs> games last year. But, you know, we've got a lot of young guys in the team. It may take some time for them to grow together and for it to gel and start to look like a defense. Was there anything, anything like that uh, said during the offseason or maybe even into the first couple weeks of the year? I mean, I don't think, I don't recall all anything like that necessarily, uh, you know, specifically about the, uh, the youth and inexperience and whatnot. I think a lot of the fans expected, you know, we're, we're getting into – uh, a defense a defensive coordinator change because everyone saw what the uh, the Ed Donatel defense last year did, which was not a whole lot. And uh, you know they they knew that uh, you know Brian Flores was going to come in and bring uh, a new scheme and some more aggression and whatnot. But I think the fans also understand that you know a lot of the veteran presence on the defensive side of the ball is gone now, and they're going to be relying on uh, a lot of younger players. I mean, they they still have a few guys like uh, Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter and whatnot, but otherwise, it's a lot of younger guys. And you know, I think people kind of understand that uh, they need some time to uh, to grow together and gel and that sort of thing. So, I think it's going to be one of those things where they're going to be playing a whole lot better at the end of the season than they are now. Mm-hmm. But I think they've uh, I think they've picked it up a little more quickly than a lot of people expected. And uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to get there on defense here. Uh, in the next few weeks, hopefully. Well, the reason I ask is because uh, Ryan Poles uh, came out uh, week the week of the Kansas City game when the whole Allen Williams thing was taking place and Justin Fields had kind of backhanded, slapped the coaching staff for overwhelming him with too much information instead of just letting him go out there and play uh, and all that kind of stuff. And that was the first time where Ryan Poles said, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with this roster. I love this team that we've put together, but they're all new to each other. 
The preseason didn't go the way we wanted. We had guys banged up in camp, so the starters didn't play in the preseason. We didn't see Justin mm-hmm. Fields hardly any in the preseason because his offensive line was banged up. We didn't want him getting killed in a preseason game. So we, you know, he played. I probably have fingers left from the amount of snaps he played during the uh, during the preseason. I mean, we only played three games, and he didn't play at all in the second one against uh, the Colts because we had the joint practices that week yeah. and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until the Barbarians are at the gate and the fans are ready for bloody murder that he finally comes out and says, hey, preseason didn't go the way we wanted. You know, obviously the first two weeks haven't gone the way that we wanted. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of new guys on this team. Uh, Justin Fields had to go from being the guy that had to carry the team on his back last year to now learning how to share the load because he has a DJ Moore. And right, at the time, he had a Chase Claypool. We got a Robert Tunyon. We got Cole Komet and everything. We need to, you know, he's got weapons, and he has to learn how to use them uh, kind of thing. It's going to take some time for this team to gel together. And my response was, where the hell was this conversation four weeks ago before the season? Like because we've got two weeks between the preseason and the first game of the season. Maybe kind of mention that maybe in passing to set some kind of level of expectation with your fan base as opposed to being, you know, like just balls out like, hey, guys, we're ready. We're going to do this. We're going to beat Green Bay. We're going to turn this rivalry into a rivalry again. We're going to turn this thing on its head. No more Aaron Rodgers. We're going to take this rivalry back and then get smacked around for 60 minutes by our arch rival. Uh, You know, that's – have you seen them since they played us? They do not look like that team anymore. No. Like So it's like week one was a liar when it came to the Green Bay Packers, and we made them look fantastic And in that first game. And it's like it, I, I'm sure it would have been something that was mentioned in passing, but at least it would have been out there that there was some mm-hmm. concern that this team isn't ready to go because the preseason didn't go the way we wanted. And I think that would have gone over huge as opposed to hearing it well after the fact. <laughs> where everything has gone as bad as it possibly could. And, in fact, a few days later would get worse when we played against the Chiefs uh, and, and everything. 41-3 before we finally scored a touchdown uh, in that one, where we brought a semi-concussed Justin Fields back into the game for some reason. Yeah. It was like, obviously we don't care about Justin Fields if we're putting him back out there down by 38 with seven minutes to go because that's when we need our quarterback in there. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I was fuming when I heard Ryan Poles saying those words like yeah thank you for saying that but we needed that three four weeks ago not when it's already obvious we're not where we need to be with this team because when you get better across the board and everyone literally everyone not just bear fans but everyone agrees on paper the bears are poised to do something and then we look as bad if not worse that falls on coaching which is why Eberflus' seat wasn't warm it was on fire he was sitting in an inferno up until Mm -hmm. we finally won that game uh on thursday so i mean it was it was something that uh you know i thought was necessary and and we we should have gotten it way before uh we did and and maybe that's just me being unrealistic who's going to come out and say the team's not where we want it to be but at the same time some of those things like the preseason didn't go the way we wanted we didn't get to see all our guys out there together we had injuries and blah 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 so um, it was frustrating to hear him say that, but also I was grateful to hear it because it made a lot more sense with where we were as a team at the time. 
So no, and and I, I understand that, and the Vikings kind of did the same thing. Like a lot of the starters didn't play uh, during the preseason and whatnot. But I mean, the the Bears are kind of going through that on both sides of the ball, right. where they have new personnel coming and whatnot. If you look at the Vikings' offense, I mean, you know, Cousins was back, Justin Jefferson's back, T.J. Hawkinson's going to be here for a full season. K.J. Osborne's back. Uh, they have all five starters on the offensive line back. The, the fans should have expected better from the Minnesota offense than what they've gotten so far just because, you know, they had all those players last year. With the exceptions of Dalvin Cook, who we've already you know highlighted, mm-hmm. hasn't done squat in New York, so right. he's not a significant loss or anything, I don't think. And Adam Thielen, who they replaced uh, with the first-round pick in Jordan Addison, and, you know, technically, you know, should have at least stayed the same, if not improved at that spot. But, you know, while people understand that the defense for the Vikings is a work in progress, the offense should not have been a work in progress. And, uh, you know, they they have not. That side of the ball has not performed up to expectations this year. I mean, with all the turnovers and, uh, you know, drop passes and fumbles. I mean, and it's not just one guy with a fumble problem either. I mean, we've got Cousins fumbling. We've got Justin Jefferson fumbling. We've got Hawkinson fumbling. We've got uh, Alexander Madison fumbling. Uh, we've, it's not one guy. It, and that kind of that speaks to a coaching issue to me, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, Kevin has come out and said, well, we're either going to take care of the ball with the guys that we have, or we're going to put guys in there that are going to take care of the ball. And, uh, you know, they're, they're averaging about two and a half turnovers a game. It really hasn't had any effect yet. If, uh, if it's going to have an effect, but, uh, you know, I, I can understand, uh, that there, there's, there's going to eventually be a, uh, a coming to Jesus moment mm-hmm. with the defense. I think because, you know, like we said, they've got a lot of young guys on that side. The, the offense should have already had that moment, right. and they haven't yet, and I don't know if they're going to. But, uh, you know, at, at some point, if they can stop handing the ball over to the other team for a while, they're actually capable of playing solid football. It's just they have not had the ability to do that so far this season, and that's what's absolutely killed them so far. Is that one of the big differences between this year and last year, or is that last year you didn't turn the ball over? So much? It, it really is. I mean, last year the Vikings lost eight fumbles all season. I believe they've already lost eight fumbles through the first five games this year. Right. And uh, when, when the other team fumbles, uh, the other team generally manages to fall right back on top of the football, yeah. uh, whereas when the Vikings fumble, it ends up going to the other team. Uh, their their plus-minus ratio is something just terrible. I mean, it wasn't great last year. I think they finished the season as like a, a plus-two or a plus-three in the uh, the plus minus and now they they've got to be bottom of the league. I don't know what the exact number is. It's probably minus seven or minus eight or something like that. And mm-hmm. you know you don't win football games when you turn the ball over twice as often as the other team does. So right. that's uh, that's how things have gone so far. And unless things turn around, that's uh, how they're going to continue to go. Yeah, very hard to do when you keep giving the ball back. You keep giving your uh, opponent more chances to score. Uh, mm-hmm. You know whether they scoop it up and run it back or whether they use that to put together a drive that's going to uh, put it in the end zone and, and uh, make the hole deeper uh, to dig yourself out of. But the defense, the one thing that I've noticed, uh, or at least uh, at least I saw a lot in the Kansas City game, was uh, Brian Flores mm-hmm. likes to bring pressure. 
Um, yep. Is that something that he's done all year, or was he just trying to get to Pat Mahomes last week? I believe Flores is blitzing more than any defensive coordinator in the league. I think he's the only defensive coordinator uh, whose blitz percentage is over 50% uh, through the first five weeks, which is just ridiculous. I think under Ed Donatel last year, I think the blitz rate was closer to like 15 or 20% because he – He's he's the polar opposite of Brian Flores. Donatel never brought pressure, and they weren't getting to the quarterback with four, so there was just wide open zones all over the place. And the defense last year was bad, but you know at least Flores realizes that hey, I've got a young secondary; they're going to need some help. Uh, I'm going to just try to make life hell for opposing quarterbacks as best I can, and hope that uh, we can force them in mistakes and uh, help our secondary out a little bit. Uh, sometimes it's worked. Uh, sometimes it hasn't. I mean, if you go back and look at the Chargers game, I believe they blitzed Justin Herbert on just the most ridiculous percentage you ever seen. I think it was like 80-something percent of the snaps. Uh, they went and blitzed uh, Justin Herbert. And uh, I believe Herbert threw for over 400 yards. Uh, he completed like 85% of his passes or something just ridiculous. So, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, at, at least we're trying something different yeah. this year as opposed to, uh, to watching Ed Donatel's defense just get, you know, nickeled and dimed down the field, yeah. uh, on just about every drive and hopefully crossing your fingers and hopefully that you're hoping that either Daniel Hunter or Zedarius Smith can get to the opposing quarterback. And now Smith isn't here anymore. It's just Daniel Hunter and, uh, Ivan Pace Jr. and uh, a bunch of guys that generally can't win uh, pass rushing reps one on one unless uh, Davenport's out there too. So, right. yeah, it, it's a work in progress, but it's it's a lot more enjoyable to watch this work in progress than what we saw with uh, with Ed Donatel last season. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same page in that regard because the Bears um, before this game against Washington, where we sacked Sam Howell five times. And we should have had him seven times, but he managed to squirt him, squirm his way out of two dead-to-right sacks uh, in that game. We had two sacks in four games going into that game on on Thursday. And the same thing was happening where we're trying to get there with four, and nobody's getting home, and um, you know we're just getting picked apart. And the worst part of it was that it, it mostly came to fruition on third down. Like, if, if we're playing Canadian football, we'd have the number one defense <laughs> in the league because we are murderers on first and second down. You know, mm-hmm. stuffing the run for a two-yard loss, knocking the ball away on, on second down. But we get to th- anywhere from third and, you know, eight to third and 25. They're going to get what they need and more. And the thing that's most frustrating about it is that when the quarterback finds that wide-open receiver, number one, because he had six seconds <clears throat> to find him, that guy will be in a zone so big that no one will be within a 10-yard radius of the ball mm-hmm. carrier. So not only can he make the catch with no uh, resistance, he'll have plenty of time to run for extra yards before anyone gets close to him. And this would happen over and over again on third down. And that was making me crazy. But then last week, Iberflus really dialed it up for Sam Howell, man. We came after uh, him over and over again, and we really started getting to them in the fourth quarter when they were, I mean, they were passing on every down from like the middle of the second quarter, I think somebody said, like eight minutes mm-hmm. to go in the, in the second quarter. They stopped, that was the last time they ran the ball, and they threw it on every play. 
uh, in the second half, which makes sense because they were down 27 to three at halftime. But, you know, when we started really dialing up in the fourth quarter, that's when we started getting a howl on like every other play uh, kind yeah. of thing. And it's like you said, it's much more enjoyable to watch us go after them. And if they find that hot receiver and they get the extra yardage, fine. You know, they beat us on that play as opposed to sitting back and letting them pick us apart Mm -hmm. because we're not getting home. So he's got all the time in the world to sit back there and watch his receiver run from one zone to the next until he finds the one he likes and he's wide open and, you know, they're moving the ball down the field or a drive that should be over is extended because you just gave up 15 on third and seven uh, kind of thing. I'm totally in agreement with you. I would much rather watch somebody hit a bomb uh, because they beat a blitz as opposed to just watching, watching them sit back there and get nine when they needed four on third down because he had all day to find a, a wide-open receiver. I'll take that every day of the week. Absolutely. I mean, it, and watching, watching the Vikings' defense last year, I mean, you're just sitting there, you're staring at the screen, and you're watching the, the defense get beat all the time, and you're just like – Dude, do literally anything else right. because what you're doing is not working, and you can you can clearly see that it's not working. I mean, I, I think we've I don't know if we've said this on this show before, but uh, whatever contract extension Daniel Jones got from uh, from the Giants, that dude owes Ed Donatello at least ten percent because God Almighty, he he got that guy paid last year because of that uh, that playoff game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Right. It was. Because that dude, that dude has been awful this year, yeah. and the Giants are on the hook for like forty million a year for that guy now because he ripped apart Ed Donatel's defense in a playoff game in uh, in twenty twenty two. But uh, but yeah, like you said, that there there are times where the pressure is going to get home, and there are times when the pressure is not going to get home. But you know, if, if you got a if a, the opposing quarterback has a dude that's in his face and he manages to hit a 12 or 15 yard pass to convert a third down. Well, good job. You, you, you beat us, whatever, right. but you know, just, just watching dudes, you know, sit back in the pocket for, you know, five or six seconds and hit short crossing routes to turn into like 10 and 15 yard gains and the chains keep moving. That's, that's terrible. Nobody wants to watch that. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm happy Brian Flores is here and I'm happy that, uh, you know, even though the defense is young and inexperienced and whatnot, I'm glad that, uh, you know, he's at least, trying to, to put them in a position to be successful. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that, that is um, easier to swallow when it comes to uh, the Bears and their faults on defense is that, like you said, they're young guys. Uh, aside from, like, an Eddie Jackson and, uh, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, who've got years uh, in the league, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is only in his fifth or sixth season, Um you know, our literally our you know the rest of our defensive line. We drafted two defensive tackles uh, this year. Jack Sanborn's only in his second year. Our entire secondary, except for Eddie Jackson, is on their second or third. I think Jalen Johnson is the other old man in the secondary at in his fourth season uh, right mm-hmm. now. It's like these guys are all young and they're playing together, so they're going to build that camaraderie and and uh, develop all of that. And it's really going to be something when these guys start clicking if they get a chance to, uh, that is. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's the, just what you, you have to endure if you want to get to, you know, to that place where, you know, these guys know each other's moves like the back of their hand. And I'm going to go into this zone because I know so-and-so is going to be right where I just left. And 
Uh, you know, I can depend on him to be where he needs to be. So I need to be there, uh, kind of thing. So, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you got to take the lumps before you can, uh, before you can start smooth sailing, uh, on that one. So, but, um, so on Sunday, the game is going to take place, whether we like it or not. And, uh, Mm -hmm. these two one and four teams are going to play each other. And, and I think that this is absolutely the perfect setup for one of these batshit crazy games that we watch on occasion <laughs> in Soldier Field, where where it's like it's going to be one of those crazy uh, games. Like um, I know you hate it, I keep bringing it up, the Devin Aroma should do game, but I only bring. Oh no, actually, I take it back. The Kyle Orton Gus Farratt ninety point shootout we mm. had in two thousand eight <laughs> for us to just yeah. keep going back and forth, scoring one touchdown. Uh, after another, I think we're better suited. We're better set up for a game uh, like that rather than the sixteen to nine or sixteen to six dogfight we had back in uh, twenty nineteen. But uh, I definitely think that we're in the absolute perfect spot to have one of these games that we're going to be talking about for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either one of us are going into this game with any sort of expectations or anything like that. I mean, the Vikings are coming in without their best player, right. obviously. And, uh, you know, the the Bears are coming off of a game where they dropped 40 points after going almost a full calendar year without winning a football game. And, you know, nobody's going to be paying attention to this game. I I don't even know which announcing crew Fox is assigned to this one. It's got to be like the the E squad or something like that. It's not it's not going to be Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. That's for that's for damn sure. No way. But, uh, you know, whichever whichever, you know. Whichever, I mean, they could have given us like Gus Johnson or something, but they won't even humor us with with something like that. But, you know, yeah, this is one of those games where, you know, nobody has any expectations. Nobody should have any expectations because both of these teams are not good. Right. But, uh, you know, like you said, this is going to, it's all lining up at the, uh, the ancient Indian burial ground that Soldier <laughs> Field is built on top of where right. all the, the weird stuff happens all the time. It, it, it it, this is one of those scenarios where it absolutely wouldn't be surprising if it was like 45 to 42 or something like that. And everybody wonders where the hell that comes from. And then both of these teams go out the next week because a- after this one, the Vikings get the pleasure of hosting the uh, 49ers on Monday night football. Aye. And I, and I think that game is going to get real ugly, real fast. Right. So, so yeah, that this is going to be, if the Vikings want to make some memories, they got to do it this week because next week, I don't think there's going to be a hell of a lot of them to be had. Right. So, so yeah, it it is kind of lining up for a for a bunch of weird things to happen, and you know hopefully we'll at least be entertained because you know at this point in the season when you're one and four, uh, entertainment is about the uh, the most you can ask for. I think. Right. Well, I mean, you know that Broncos game was damn entertaining until the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> you know it was twenty. I mean, even though they scored just before the end of the quarter, so it was twenty eight to fourteen. It still felt like we were playing well enough. Like yeah, we'll be fine. Uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be all right. We'll, you know, we'll win this game and, and everything. We just got to score one more time, and I think that will be enough to get us the win and uh, and everything. You know, the Bears are going; they're on their way to their first win. And then, you know, fifteen minutes later, it's like, yeah, hide the razor blades. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's this is I, I I what did I do in a former life to have to endure <laughs> this each and every week? It's like they're supposed to be better, and yet we're yep. playing like the worst team. And it was agreed upon by anybody who would listen, that we were number 32 out of 32 after losing that game to the Broncos uh, mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, 
we were in a bad enough spot, Chris, that coming into a game, playing a defense that had just allowed 70 points to the Dolphins, we were the home underdog going into mm-hmm. that one. And it's like, yeah, that's where we're at right now is that even Vegas thinks we're worse than the Broncos, or at least they think we're such a dumpster fire that we won't be able to beat a team that just gave up 70 points to the Dolphins. So, yeah, it was uh, quite the situation. And then nobody saw last week coming. You know, honestly, I did not think that we would be able to – I didn't think that we turned a corner against Denver. I thought that we just played well against the worst defense in the NFL. Or, or at least the easiest defense uh, in the NFL. That's what I thought happened in that Bronco game. I did not see Justin Fields and, and uh, DJ Moore coming out, slinging it, doing it the way they did. And then, God help us, the defense doubled their sack total in one game and uh, actually almost tripled it and also got two turnovers where we hadn't forced a turnover all season. Because I don't count the the interceptions that Blaine Gabbert threw in garbage time uh, against us in the fourth quarter of that game. I don't count those as as turnovers. It's like we didn't force a turnover against Green Bay, didn't force one against Tampa, and we sure as hell didn't force one against Denver either. But we forced two against the uh, Commanders. I keep wanting to call them the Redskins. I'm sure that you run into mm-hmm. that quite a bit as well. But, yeah. you know, it's just like the defense showed up as well. So I was like, I don't know what to expect on on Sunday. It's like, did – did we turn a corner on Thursday against the Commanders? Or did we just catch the Commanders, you know, with their pants down because they were riding high because they almost beat the Eagles on Sunday? You know, they mm-hmm. almost beat them that, you know, four days ago. And then they're thinking like, well, if we can handle the Eagles, we could definitely get the – wait, what? We lost 40 to 20. How did that happen? Uh, kind of thing. You know, it's like, did we turn a corner? It's like, we'll find out on – Sunday, if they come out and play the same way they did the last two weeks on offense, yeah, this thing could be things could start to get interesting uh, in Chicago. But it, I think it all hinges on defense and how they perform uh, versus uh, what's left of uh, your offense, which even without Justin Jefferson is is quite a lot. And, and you know, honestly, you guys are the home underdog in this game too. Yes, I think I thought the, uh, the spread was like it started out as about three and a half, and I think it's down to about two and a half now. Until I see this offense perform without Justin Jefferson, I can't in good conscience think that the Vikings should be favored in this football game. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they, they are for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, I I don't see it. I mean, I don't, uh, you know, maybe, like you said, maybe they come out and their offense is more balanced and they put up a bunch of points. But, you know, Je- Jefferson has reached kind of the point where Randy Moss was. I mean, I'm not saying he's on Moss's level yet, but, you know, opposing defenses had to do different things when they knew that Randy Moss was out there from what they normally would have done. Right. And I, I think defenses are getting to that point with Jefferson, and obviously not having him out there is going to be a huge difference maker. And like I said, until I see how this offense performs without uh, 18 out there, I can't in good conscience think that they should be favored to, to beat anybody at this point. I mean, even, you know, even a team that's one and four, because, you know, that one and four team, like you said, put up 40 points last week and, you know, God knows what's going to, what's going to happen this week. So yeah. it, uh, it should be interesting if nothing else. I mean, hopefully it's interesting, but uh, yeah. 
yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how everything works out. Yeah, I, I think we can. The one thing we can be confident <laughs> in is that I don't think we're in for a defensive struggle uh, on Sunday. Uh, I think the offenses are going to have their way, which is why I lean more towards the the Orton Farrat shootout than the mm-hmm. uh, the sixteen to six defensive battle we had back in uh, uh, twenty nineteen. So, um, but I think it also says one other thing that uh, most Bear fans would would uh, believe to be true is that Vegas doesn't trust the Bears, and there are a lot of Bear fans that don't really trust. The Bears, like, you know, like you just heard me talking a minute ago. I was like, did we turn a corner or did we just get, uh, you know, did we catch Washington on the right night? They were just kind of thought they would just ride the wave after almost beating the Eagles. And they definitely get past us. And we, we caught them, you know, looking ahead or, you know, looking back uh, kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if this offense has turned a corner and this is how we're going to consistently play going forward or, you know. Did we just get lucky uh, two weeks in a row kind of thing? We just haven't seen any good consistency out of them to trust anything good that they're doing now. So especially with how bad they started the year, that's been the main consistency under Eberflus is bad football. So we mm-hmm. play good for a couple weeks in a row. All right, you're, you're pulling me back in, but I'm not there quite yet. Like I, I run a pick game with about two dozen of my listeners uh, right now. I'm in 11th place, God help me. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I am picking the Bears because, th- like you said, I think I trust, I don't know, maybe I'm putting a little too much faith in the defense finally showing up, but they finally showed something, and I think I was looking for that more than I was from the offense because I knew that would, was there. DJ Moore, Khalil Herbert, Justin Fields, I knew that potential was there in the offense. It was just a matter of time before it finally came together. But the defense performing that way, and with Iberflus being aggressive with his blitz pressuring and all that kind of stuff, that was what I was waiting to see from them. So it really does kind of hinge to our defenses versus your offense as to, I think, how this game uh, goes out. It's like, And I'm, I'm picking the Bears because of the history of the rivalry where the Bears win more times in Chicago uh, than they don't. But it's uh, it's a confidence pool, and my confidence number I think is like three or four on the Bears yeah. out of fifteen. So it's it's not mm-hmm. high. Like I'm not surprised if Minnesota wins, and if the Bears do, great. But I'm not going all in on them. You know, like absolutely 100 percent confident the Bears are going to win this weekend. I'm definitely not there with them at this point. No, I mean I, I'm not sure. I mean we have a thing for our uh, for our picks every week with the uh, the writers on the site and whatnot and I, I'm not 100% sure what my record is at this point this year I don't think it's as good as I'd like it to be obviously but uh, I'm going back and forth on this one a little bit and honest to god I'm probably going to end up taking the Bears this week just because you know I guess like I said until I see how this offense performs uh, without Justin Jefferson out there taking heat off of uh a lot of the other options and uh, this defense actually uh, doing something with some consistency. Uh, I, I can't pick the, the Vikings to beat most teams. And, you know, the, the bears seem to have the momentum right now for the people that believe in momentum. And sure. yeah, that's, uh, that's just, that's just the way I, I'm going to go back and forth until probably the end of the week. And, you know, I'm probably going to end up picking Chicago, but that's uh 
that's not uh, that says more about uh, <coughs> the way I see the Vikings right now than sure. probably the way I see the Bears. Yeah, it's not a fun place to be, man. As a fan, it really no, isn't. Absolutely, not. it's not a fun no. place to be. But like, can they win? Yeah, absolutely, they can win this game. Will they win? Eh, I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't know. I just like you. Just you sit there and you're waffling. You're on the fence, and this is your team. These are your guys, and you're like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. It's like, can they win? Absolutely. It's the NFL. You can win every single game on the schedule if you're lucky enough, but I don't know. It's like, are we good enough to win? Oh, whew, there's a question. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's not a fun place to be uh, as a fan, and especially for guys like us who this is what we do with a lot of our time is we follow these guys. Mm-hmm. And this yep. is, you know, Sunday, we get the Super Bowl every Sunday. It's like, oh, my guys are on TV. Let's get it done uh, kind of thing. And then they come out and perform like they have in the first five weeks. And you're like, why do you hate me? You know, why, why, why do I love you, but you don't love me back? What do I have to do? You know what I'm saying? It, it's just how it feels sometimes. Such a lopsided uh, relationship that we have with these teams of ours. Yep, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, Chris, uh, always enjoy uh, having you on. It's always fun to talk about the the myth and the legend that is Bears-Vikings in Soldier Field. And uh, hopefully we'll be adding another chapter to that crazy-ass book uh, on Sunday. At the very least, you know, we'll get that, that one game that everybody's like, I don't care if you are a Bears-Vikings fan, you have to watch this game. When they replay it on NFL mm-hmm. Network this week, Set your DVR and watch this one because you're not you're not going to believe half the things that happen in it. Because I think about that that Adrian Peterson game in 07. He runs for 230 and three touchdowns on the Bears, who had the best defense in the league at the time, coming off a Super Bowl appearance the year before, and seemingly he puts us to bed with his third touchdown late in the third quarter, or maybe even early in the fourth, and then we turn Devin Hester loose on you guys who runs a kickback mm-hmm. for a touchdown, and then for some reason thought it would be a good idea to have him one-on-one down the sideline so Brian Greasy can hit him for an 80-yard touchdown to tie it up with less than a minute to go. It's like you can't make this stuff up, man. And this stuff happens no. with the Bears and the Vikings all the time. <laughs> so at the very least, because I know the history, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday. What will we get? Who the hell knows? But hopefully it will be fun. Absolutely. I mean, it, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, you never know what to expect when these two teams get together. It could be, could be a well. We don't get a lot of blowouts really. Not in really. This, uh, no. In this series, I don't think. But uh, no, it it could be a low scoring game. Could be a high scoring game. I mean, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting one way or another. And you know, like I said, hopefully at this point, at least we're just entertained by yeah. uh, by what's going on. So. We'll uh, we'll have to see how it goes, and hopefully, uh, when we when we get together, not in week eighteen, right? Which is weird, but uh, yeah, when we get together again, we'll be able to uh, to reminisce a little bit about uh, what we saw the first time these two teams got together, right? And hopefully, for personal reasons, we'll be talking about a game that got flexed out of the Monday night game because uh, <laughs> week twelve, when the Bears and the Vikings play again, is the first week that the NFL can flex Monday night games, and as I famously talked about. Uh, when we spoke over the summer and when the schedule came out, um, the NFL decided to schedule the Bears one Monday night game of the season, the same night I'm supposed to see Kiss for the very last time uh, in Chicago. <laughs> and then I found out literally yesterday that the NFL can start flexing Monday night games week 12, which means Bears-Vikings is the first one that can get bumped. 
And I would have to say, if we're playing anything like we are now in week 12, I might be able to go to the KISS concert without having to worry about how the game is going. So fingers crossed, guys. We can get that game flexed out, play the game on Sunday, get it over with, and I can enjoy the KISS concert stress-free. So hopefully we'll be talking Absolutely. about a, a flexed-out Bears-Vikings game, not on Monday, but on Sunday afternoon uh, in Minnesota. Uh, that, would be very, uh, that would be very nice. Uh, for me. So. Well, I hope for I hope for your sake that's exactly what happens. And yeah. you know, if uh, you know, like you said, if these two teams keep uh, keep going at the rate they're going, I think there's a uh, pretty solid chance that that game will not be happening on Monday night. So you'll be good to go. So before we get to see you again, week twelve, where can we keep up with you in the meantime? Uh, we are at uh, dailynorseman.com, dot uh, com at daily norseman on the uh, the Twitter machine or the the X machine, whatever yeah. the hell we're calling it now. Yeah. Uh, the the social medias, I right. guess, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where all our stuff is, and that's where it's going to be uh, for the foreseeable future. So yeah, if you want to uh, come over and check it out, come on over and check it out. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman, always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you again in a few weeks. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. As always, I want to thank Chris Gates from the Naley Norseman for coming on the show, helping us preview Bears-Vikings for week number six. Uh, and uh, like I said, hopefully it will be entertaining uh, either way, whether we win or lose. I'm, I think the Bears will win on Sunday, or at the very least, I think we should. Um, the Vikings are the ones that are reeling right now, and frankly, I'm tired of Bears being the team where everybody fixes themselves. Like, oh, you know, we can't do this. This is going bad for us. That keeps going sideways. But we play Chicago on Sunday, and Chicago is that team where whatever's ailing you, the Bears help you fix it. Because if you can't run, you're going to run for 300 yards against the Bears. You can't protect the quarterback. He won't get touched for the entire game. Having trouble turning over the football? You won't lose it for one second uh, on Sunday. And, of course, that's being the ultimate pessimist uh, and everything, but it feels like that sometimes, like you know, because you'll hear the announcers tell us, uh, the you know, this is the worst rushing football team in the league, and somehow they ran for almost 200 yards against us, you know, just because they kept trying to run the ball and they found success against us where they couldn't find it against anyone else. So, hopefully, that won't be happening uh, on Sunday, and uh, the game will be entertaining. I believe that it will be actually, and it's always fun to talk to Chris because he knows the history of this rivalry, same as I do, and that the weirdest things happen in Chicago when the Bears and the Vikings uh, get together. At least that's where all the goofy shit tends to happen. Um, we, we talked about it briefly, but that win in 2020 during the pandemic, uh, the Bears really just could not get anything going uh, on offense. Uh, I think that's when Nagy was still reluctantly hanging on to the to the play sheet, we you know we had less than a hundred yards uh, of offense going into it. Khalil Mack had an interception. We almost ran it back for a touchdown and uh, and all that kind of stuff. We come out in the first half on the opening kickoff. Cordell Patterson runs it back for a touchdown, and I was and in that moment I was thinking, yes, 
this is it. This is the spark that we needed because you saw as Cordero's running down the sidelines, the entire side, he was running on the bare sideline as he's coming into the end zone. The entire sideline is running down the field with him. People are freaking out. I was like, this is it. This is the moment. This is the spark that's going to push us ahead, not so much for 2020 and all that kind of stuff, but to snap this losing streak that we're on to go ahead and, and propel us to get you know some, some momentum going for us and all that kind of stuff. And then just, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, but, and, and we still lost that game. Like those were, those, That was literally the only touchdown we scored, and I think we lost that game like 13-9 to nine or, or something like that. It's like our defense was playing outstanding. And Kirk Cousins and and uh, you know the rookie Justin Jefferson, uh, he was getting his yards, but they weren't getting in the end zone. Uh, and in the end, we just we could absolutely do nothing on offense, and we ended up losing. So, but I mean, it's always been interesting. You guys heard me talk about the Adrian Peterson game in '07. You heard me mention the Devin Aroma do game. We talk about that one all the time. Uh, the 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 one that I kept going back to, the Gus Farrat versus Kyle Orton game in 2008 where somehow two of the most mediocre game manager quarterbacks of all time managed to be a part of a game where they came where they scored 90 points uh in the game i think it was like 40 48 to 42 or something crazy uh like that just a, a bananas shootout uh of a game between those two teams and we've seen games like this between them all the time all the time so i'm hoping we get another one of those memorable classic games and um so that at least we have something to reflect upon uh in uh in this rivalry uh on sunday let's go ahead and wrap things up with the keys to the game and my first key is more of a message to deontay foreman because unless uh roshan johnson goes through some kind of miraculous recovery Deontay is going to be our starting running back on Sunday against these Vikings. And Deontay, if that does happen, and I'm knocking on wood for you, it does. I want you to use any aggravation, frustration that you've had for your time in Chicago. Because there was a time during the offseason, he was telling the press, he didn't come here to be number two. Well, unfortunately for him, since week one, he hasn't played He's been a healthy scratch the last four weeks against Tampa Bay, uh, Kansas City, Denver, and Washington. He's been a healthy scratch. Like He was healthy on Thursday, but we couldn't put him in the game because he was inactive uh, against the Commanders last week. Well, like it or not, the Bears have to play you this Sunday, and I want you to use that frustration for being a healthy scratch the last four weeks. Show them why. A, you should have been on the field all along, and B, why you should still be in the lineup when everyone's healthy again. When Herbert's back from his ankle injury, when Roshan is um, back from his concussion uh, protocol, go out there and perform in a way that makes you undeniable. You know, Or at the very least, at the very least, and I hate to be morbid about it, but at the, maybe at the very least, makes you attractive to somebody else because the trade deadline's coming up. So if the Bears don't think you're valuable enough to keep on the active roster on Sunday, somebody out there might, and maybe you can go someplace that you might be able to perform for somebody. Use it, man. Use it. Take advantage of this situation. 
okay? Because I was excited about the Bears getting you, and I've been frustrated seeing your name on the inactive list as well. So I want you to ball out. Uh, do it for me. Do it for yourself. Do it for your future, Deontay. You're only here in Chicago on a one-year deal, and uh, you know maybe you go out there and you ball out. Khalil Herbert comes back, and uh, maybe we get a, you know, a day three pick uh, for you, and you get a new chance someplace else. So use the use the frustration, use the aggravation, whatever chip you have on your shoulder, bring it with you to Soldier Field on Sunday. And then my other two keys. Uh, the theme is the same. Stay aggressive. Stay aggressive on defense. Iberflus was bringing the pressure. He was going after uh, Sam Howell. He was getting there, and especially towards the end of the game, uh, be aggressive, stay aggressive, go after Kirk Cousins. Now, Kirk Cousins is not going to be a run away from us the way Sam Howell uh, did, and it's not about trying to rattle Cousins. It's about getting to him and disrupting the throws so maybe he's got to throw off his his back foot or maybe he isn't able to complete his throwing motion because somebody got a hand up or something like that none of that stuff is possible if you're not bringing pressure if you're not getting there if you're not getting in his face do not let him sit back there and pick us apart and make mario addison the next star receiver in a viking uniform do not let him pick us apart and make tj hawkinson the savior of minnesota please don't do that Go after him. Stay aggressive. Go get him. Because as you heard me tell uh, Chris Gates uh, just a few moments ago, I can live with getting beat on a blitz. I can absolutely live with it. I don't like it, but I will be. I would much rather sit there and watch us lose trying, in my opinion, as opposed to sitting back trying to send four, trying to get home with four, and sit back in zone and watch them pick us apart because our four rushers aren't getting home and he's got forever and a day to throw the ball. Send the goddamn house if you have to. Go in there, get him. And if they beat us, fine. You know, it's like I would never fault you for trying. You know what I'm saying? I will never fault you for trying. But you got to be aggressive. Take your shot. Go out there. Get him. Because he's not a fleet foot. He's an older quarterback. He's not going to be to he's not going to be able to run away from us. Go out there, get after him, disrupt him, uh, and everything. That would be fantastic. And then I want the Bears to stay aggressive on offense as well. Keep running the football, even though Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson are out. Give Deontay Foreman his shot. Give Darrington Evans his shot. Run the ball, please, for the love of God, run the ball and push the ball down the field uh, in the passing game. The Vikings are struggling on defense. The Vikings also like to bring pressure. So we must stay aggressive in giving, you know, the slant routes in the middle of the field. You know, be wary of where those guys are coming from because we need a receiver to go to the spot that he just left. That place is going to be wide open. I want us to pick them apart while they're trying to get after fields in the blitz uh, game uh, on Sunday. They're struggling. Do not let them breathe on either side of the ball, especially on offense. Go after Cousins. Like I told Chris Gates, I think this is going to come down to our defenses versus their offense as to how this thing is going to come uh, on top. If we can show up the way that we did against the Commanders, I like the Bears a lot to win this game. But that's the first time we've seen the Bears be like that in the entire tenure 
of Matt Eberflus to be that aggressive throughout the football game. Will he stick to it? Will he keep going back to that? Well, God, I hope so. And if he does, and if it's successful, I think we're in for another happy week. Uh, But if he sits back on his heels and lets this veteran pick us apart one piece at a time for one chunk of the field after another, it's going to be a long Sunday. We're going to be pissed. It's going to be another explicit episode. I would like to think that I've retired the explicit tag. I know you guys enjoy those episodes because I go bonkers uh, during them, but I would much rather be calm, cool, collected victory episodes as opposed to MF this and you son of a, you know, uh, explicit episodes. You know, I know it's a lot more entertaining uh, for you guys, especially when we lose to hear me, you know, pop my cork every single week, but I'd prefer not to if I didn't have to because uh, it's not coming from a good place when I do that. So anyway, guys, that's all we got for the week six preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday when we will review this matchup between the Bears and the Vikings to see who came out on top. Are we 2-4 and four going into another winnable game against the Raiders next Sunday? Or are we 1-5 and five and we need a victory over the Raiders next Sunday? Come on back on Monday and find out. And until then, enjoy your weekend. My name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.